Yeah. Escure podcast, Cole Rosenberg cracking in on another epic when podcast. When I pull up on a nigga, boy, tell Omar that Thompson nigga walking bad, in like the king that he I'm is. Too good Yo, what a soundtrack, my dude. Nigga oh, if I die, all so I much. know is I'm a motherfucking yeah, yeah. legend. Yeah, it's too late in. My boy, Omar Thompson, city, I'm the youngest actor, nigga, writer, director, oh producer, father. And new cat to Patterson. You're in for a treat, ladies and gentlemen. Ask your podcast, my boy Omar Thompson. Take a quick break, come back, crack into his story. You're in for a treat. Yeah, my nigga, I love Drake, bro. Pause. When I pull up on a nigga, tell that nigga bad, bad. I'm too good with the words, watch a nigga bad. It's your podcast, Score Rosenberg, my boy Omar Thompson. Yo, when you said play this record, I was like, rocking to this podcast, my dude. I'm like, wow, why this record? Oh, you know, this record talks to my soul, man. Like, you know, <laughs> if I die, I'm a legend. So I feel like, you know, I'm not trying to die, obviously. But yeah, yeah. If I do, I'm a legend. So big, 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 big. It's your podcast, Gore Rosenberg. We're getting ready to crack into a phenomenal podcast right yes. now. I just want to take this moment and just marinate in, in, in right now. Let's do it. You know? You know the way I normally start the show. I want to take this moment to give a big shout out to every single soul that's in the house because they all add to the energy. Right now, big shout out to my boy Manny holding us down on the camera. Thank you so much, bro. Big shout out to Charles, bong, 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 senior videographer, making sure everything is crispy. And I want to give a big shout out to my wife, Ellie, who is not only pointing on the food, but there's nobody more incognito on the audio than her. So thank you so much for holding us down, Ellie. Bong, 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 bong. And you know, at SQR Podcast, I, I, I enjoy when I have a couple people in the peanut gallery so they can check in the show, see what's going on. And tonight we are blessed to have a couple of people in the house tonight. I wanna to slowly take this moment to give a big shout out to my friend and you know, my actually new friends that we met. Mijana, my boy Jonathan, thank you so much for coming through. Appreciate you for being here. Big shout out to my boy Vio in the back and XV. Yo, yeah. thank you so much being here. Of course, staple to the podcast, my boy Dan and his beautiful wife. Thank you so much. Bong, 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 bong. We're here and I snuck in on the low. My boy Cuba stepped in. Blessing us with this present. Thank you so much, sir, and your son. Bang. We are ready to crack in, guys, and I salute everybody for being here because it's a collaborative energy, and it's this that what makes it special for us to enjoy and have Omar Thompson at the table of SQR Thank Podcast. Thank you, man. I appreciate Thank it, Thank you so much, bro. Bong, 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 bong. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having so, me. So before we crack into this, you know, it's almost illegal for you to sit at this table without a beautiful green refreshing bottle heineken so grab open. i can you sure could you please oh, and we have the zero zero because i know you're practicing length right now and no yeah. alcohol yeah. and heineken just came up with that zero zero mm -hmm. no alcohol Let me, can i can i have the privilege of oh please do say open. less i'm already that's what let's do this and the mics on the show are so sensitive so it's okay. gonna almost sound like an asr commercial if you sip on this pretty good it's not bad at all. Let's toast this green bottle. Here on SQR Podcast, not only do we enjoy Heineken, but we drink responsibly. Not bad at all. SQR Podcast, where Rosenberg, my boy, Omar Thompson, actor, writer, director, producer. I saw that show you pulled off on Saturday. Oh. 
amazing. Thank you, man. Thank you. Father, a new Patasonian. Lots to talk about tonight, huh? Oh, I, I sound busy. I'm like, I, do, <laughs> I do a lot of things. Shit. Yeah. You, you didn't even think about it like I that, I didn't think right? about it like that, no. No, because when I thought about and what's so funny is as we were building behind the scenes and you shared everything that you've experienced coming into this new town, I'm like, wow, all these things add to your credentials. And that's tonight, we're going to dissect all of that. Let's do it. I want to hear your story. What was the background growing up? How you maneuvered? The wins, the losses? Everything that got you to right now to producing that phenomenal show I saw on Saturday. And... I'm going to put it out there right now. I want to ask you that at the end of this podcast, would you bless us with a three to five minute set? Why not? Boom. Yo, not? let's crack into this. SQR Podcast, Quote Rosenberg, my boy, Omar Thompson. Can I be bothered and ask you, what was the family makeup like growing up? Well, um, a single parent household for the most part. My father passed away at like uh, about nine I was nine years old, and I moved to from Baltimore to Harlem. You were living in Baltimore at the time. Yeah. Wow. I was born in at Harlem. Nine. Born in Harlem, had a lot of family issues. You know, my mom and dad was both in the streets and on drugs, and just. Okay, let's slow this down. You kind of threw a lot of darts across the. You know. <laughs> right, yeah, cool. you know, yeah. Let's just slow this down. Right. Rewind. <laughs> Jamaica, say rewind. All right. Can we do this? You were born in Baltimore. No, born in Harlem. Born in Harlem. Harlem Hospital. What was the family, when you came into this earth, it was mom, dad, how many brothers and sisters? I was the only child at the time. Only child? Notice, yep. Mom and dad are on drugs? Yeah. What drug? All drugs, you name it. <laughs> it's this young Harlem couple, man, you know, just drugs and partying, alcohol, not, not some typical, I mean, nothing crazy. So your, your typical childhood mm, surrounding, what was that like? A lot of bouncing around, you know, a lot of bouncing around. Uh, move from Harlem to Virginia to Baltimore. Why the move? I don't know. I was, I'm the baby. I don't know. You're, you're, you're going to <laughs> no, I'm with the baby. Like, where, where they go, I go. You know what I mean? So, uh, I guess, like, a lot of family issues going on, drug stuff going on. So, we bouncing around trying to figure it out, you know. How did, when was it, and, and looking back retrospectively, when was it that you said, you realized that, this was a drug thing, or this wasn't normal. Years later, like me, like I like thirteen or twelve. I'm like, wow, this is. I've been to a few cities already. Why, why am I not settled in? You know, uh. keep on meeting new friends and different battles. You know, that kind of stuff. Is there anything from that experience that you think of added to the ingredients to make who you are right now, or are you just gonna just get? That's, that's everything. That that was that was my whole whole uh, process was that you know comedians, in my in my opinion are not are not just you can't just become a comedian you gotta be built you are just kind of you grow up a comedian you you are made a comedian by life ask <clears throat> a podcast called rosenberg so when you say something profound on this show we call it dropping a jewel oh, cool. Cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just dropped a jewel my yeah throat. because when um and i think it was um hassan who had said it you know, when another comedian that was here said everybody think exp comedians should be just funny but you just said that is what you go through to life, that what makes you that yeah, funny. You're made, man, by by your by your upbringing, by the people around you. You're made, you know, like uh, even tragedy or whatever it is that that, that kind of irons you. Can I ask you, is there any one specific moment or iconic moment that you can reflect to? Like, like, damn. 
It's one um, I can always think about in my dad's basement in Baltimore. Um, I was uh, just me and him was there, and I had a lot of older cousins who didn't want to, who didn't like me. I guess they didn't like my family, they didn't like my pop. So yeah. I was by myself a lot. So I played in the basement a lot as a kid by myself. But but it would uh, like toys and action figures and GI Joes, and I would play for hours and hours by myself in the basement, just like creating all these like weird like scenarios and stories, and <laughs> yeah, I would just do it all the time to entertain myself. And then fast forward, I guess those skills I learned in the basement of just creating my own friends in my own environment, like came back later on to like help me with being a great. A comedian and and developer, and I can create ideas. I can I can see visions about certain projects before I before I even do them. I, I know what's going on because of that process. I know that yeah, it, it helped me out big time. It's your podcast called Rosenberg. Yo, this is what we do on this show, bro. Yeah, we dig deep, without even wanting to go deep to get this jewel out of you. You know, because I like people to share that catalyst because somebody's watching this show, somebody's listening to this podcast, going wow. Maybe I need to look back and figure out where my inspiration is. So as we're ready to take this first break, my boy Omar Thompson has been sharing. And thank you for being, vul- being vulnerable. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm an open book, man. I, I don't, you know, I'm a comedian first, but I'm open book. You know, I have nothing to hide. Um, I'm, I'm open with everything. Bung, SQR Podcast, Scott Rosenberg, my boy Omar Thompson. We're going to take a quick break, come back, rock in, and get into his whole entire journey. Stay tuned. One. SQR podcast called Rosenberg cracking in with my boy Omar Thompson. You know, what's so funny as we, you know, you, you and we, we were being very coy and very humble because your accomplishments on the comedic platform is pretty huge, bro. I mean, I've, saw, I've, 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 I've been blessed to experience you at Caroline's in New York City multiple times. Oh. And you've commanded the room. This is not something you're trying to do, you know. As a matter of fact, as we get ready to crack into segment two, could you just please share? your social media handle where people can tap into you and see some of your work as we get ready to dissect your life. You can um, check me out on Omar the Comedian on social media and almost every platform. Omar the Comedian on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, Christian Mingles, Black Planet. I'm on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on all of those. Omar the Comedian. So just check me out. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that intro. Um, so here we go back and you know, I love the coping skills developed during that time where you're being ostracized but you grab your toys you get creative because not a lot of people would really turn that into something positive yeah you know they would carry that so as you move through that era when did some stability come into the life did, i mean by the end of the day i mean you're 13 and you realize there was drug in the home and it was all type of drugs and i'm sure you witnessed abuse and all of that was there an iconic moment there in that whole you know, drug-filled, chaotic moment that that fueled you to go like, yo, I got to do different? Because you could have duplicated what you saw. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, I just, I just had like this natural hustler mentality. I have, I just got it smile from my, from my family. I should just kind of like, uh, like sell my toys as I got, <laughs> I swear, man, I actually have a bunch of toys and I would just gather them up and, and sell them to my neighbor and get my money and buy a little, buy other toys and buy little paper planes and that kind of stuff. And uh, and I just, I don't know why, I've just been blessed, man, just to kind of pick and choose the right direction, to, the, right, the right path to take. Because I had a lot of chances to take the wrong path, especially in Baltimore. 
What do you mean you have a lot of love? In Baltimore, you know, like you saw the wire. Yeah, I did. Is is it was like that? And in, you were you were young, life. you were a young teen at that time. That's like the late '80s, early '90s. So that was the exact life. It was just like that. So you're growing up in that environment. That environment, yeah. Why weren't you? Why didn't you go left? I don't know. I I, I really can't tell you why I didn't. I just because I, I your friends were going left. Yeah, at an early age, man, I had people in my class and I'm like in second, third, second grade where they were really selling drugs that early. I was going to ask you, what, what was that whole school experience like for you? Um, I failed second grade, not because I wasn't smart, because I didn't care. I was just like so much going on in my life and my, my real life that school wasn't nothing to me. I go to school, I would just take a test and write down like the same number for answers and I didn't care. I really, I was going through so much in my life that I'm like, man, F school, and um, um, I wound up getting left back, and then shortly after that, my father got really sick, and my mom she had just finished doing her recovery in in Harlem. She was like she's in the drug program. They got she got clean, and she came and got me, and I moved from Baltimore to Harlem. Mm. I moved from one environment to the projects in Harlem, first floor, middle building. <laughs> so yeah, well, one extreme to the next extreme, but yeah. So what was it like walking into the building the first day? It was it was uh, shocking, man. In the big city in New York, yeah, because you know, you're coming from Baltimore. Yeah, again, I was born in New York, but moving around a lot, then came back. Yeah, and I'm in the first day, the first actual day of me playing in, in my projects. I got jumped my first day by five guys. Right, that was my age, obviously. And um, it was funny because in Baltimore, I was a punk. In Baltimore, I, didn't, I got beat up every day by girls and everything. Hey, <laughs> hey, this girl used to fuck me up every day. I can sorry, I'm curse, but she no, you're a, good, you're good. She used to kick my ass every day, and uh, she liked me, I guess. But she used to whoop my ass. She had a lot of brothers, so I'm like, yo, they like, I'm gonna fight her back. Like, no, she's fucking, she's strong, man. So, <laughs> so then I, um, I remember I, when I came to Harlem, I said, yo, I can. In my mind, I got a chance to like to, to stop that. Yeah, be new. I'm new now. Yeah. I don't know how in my mind as a kid, I like, yo, Omar, this is just a chance to stop that abuse <laughs> and start fresh. No one knew me from Baltimore. I can start a whole new slate here. Okay. And I guess Baltimore was so much tougher than Harlem. So when I got to Harlem, I'm like, yo, I've been through 10 times worse than this right here. So I got there and I thought, uh, had to, I got jumped and I fought all these guys. What? And I won. I beat yeah, I won from that day on. I had this rep like Omar. So why don't we do this before? I, I'm sorry for interrupting this. Yeah. In Jamaica, we say stick a pin. All We're right. gonna stick a pin right at that fight. But I want to go back. Okay. Tell me the name of the girl that used to beat you up in Baltimore. I'm gonna call her Fist. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She was just. She was fast, man. She has. Yo, because, you know, because because I wanted to. I wanted to big her up. Oh know? yeah. Because she, for giving you that. She, you know that one two vibes my you know what the first person i hit and it might sound messed up was her and it took me like because she whooped my ass for like my whole life and then one day and they said omar her brother said this omar stop running from her it's her brothers her brothers he's like she said stop running for you omar fight her back i'm like you're gonna fuck me up they said no fight her back man and I'm, I remember this time running around the car. She chased me around the car, chasing me. She, Are you serious? I swear it's happened. She's Dude, this look like this look like the Friday after next with Omar Epson. It's really happened. She's she's chasing me around the car, trying to kick my ass. And they're like, Omar, fight her back, fight her back. I'm like, and I just stood my ground, man. And I just I just I was like, ah. 
<laughs> and I connected, right? She's like, ah! and she's just kind of like broke down. I'm like, oh my, I'm so sorry. I let me hit you. And that's the first person I really hit. I'm like, hey, screw up podcast, go Rosenborg, my, my boy Omar Thompson. So in this era of Me Too and all this, we want to respect yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, that we, wasn't, def- we definitely don't support yeah. that. However, the reason why I brought you back to that because when I heard that little precursor, I realized that she made you stronger, bro. Yeah, I ain't looking like that. Yeah, she kicked my ass my whole life. Yeah, at the she time. made you stronger. Yeah. So now, fast forward. Let's pull the pin out. Yeah, these boys jump you in Harlem. I wasn't having that shit. Nah, you that, flash back to fist. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> like, by that point, I was fed up with getting uh, fighting and getting beat up and getting punched by everybody in in Baltimore. I said, no, not not no more. So I just remember just like going all out. Like I had nothing to lose, and I just I won, and and that kind of set the tone for me living in the projects. Like after that, I was like kind of coasted along. Mm, wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow, yo! Thank you for going that granular. You know, because what I want to read, and, and I share this every time, as we dissect your life, there are certain things that are going to come up and you realize that that has given me a little bit of another vertebrae in my spine yeah. to be stronger. And thank you for sharing that. So you're now going through high school here in New York. What was that like? Um, That was, man, you know, high school, I, I, went, I was in high school in the 90s, like 90, uh, 90, 92 to like 96. And um, those were the years of like the, when the bloods came. That's when the Bloods came to New York, and uh, it was a rough time. Everybody was gang banging, and and uh, and I wound up going to one of the worst schools in New York City. Which school was that? It's called Park West High School. <laughs> this school had more metal detectors than pe- than teachers. It was it was. Are you serious? It was a bad school, man. And um, and I remember going there, and um, a few times almost got attacked by Bloods or whatever it is, and then I got fed up. And I decided to like I I joined the gang eventually, yeah. Uh, Which gang was that? I became a crip. I was cripping for a while, man. Slow like, down, slow down, slow down. Put a in it. <laughs> well, I don't want to. I want to skate over this because, yeah. you know, it's it's interesting sitting across from you yeah. because everything that we spoke about so far, you have diverted all the negative things that came your way. And then that one thing, yeah, that that connect. I'm not sure why I did it. You know, it was just like once again at that point, it was so much going on. You know, just living in the hood and there's just no money and no real opportunity and and just and it's getting to the point where you gotta like join the crew. You had to join the crew and I and I always I was never a follower, so I'm like I'm not joining no gang. But when the bloods came out around the time, it was so so hard to be a teenager in, in the city. You had to do something. And I just hated them so much. <laughs> they was around the time you see, you can read the paper. They was like cutting people and robbing people. It was a lot. It was a lot. So my mind goes, you know, I'm gonna be the the hero. I'm gonna do the opposite and fight these guys. Only problem is in Harlem. Harlem was about, I would say, ninety five percent blood. And I became the 5%, <laughs> which is, <laughs> I'm not sure why I did it. I, it don't make no sense. I look back at it. It makes no sense. But at the time, it made sense. You know, you, you young, I, I listen to Snoop, I like I love Snoop Dogg, and, and Crit Walker was cool, I guess. And I said, let's do it. So I started doing it, man. And um, some tough times, man, a few times where I could, my life could have went a whole other direction a lot of times. I, w- I want to crank into those other directions. Because yeah. it seems like now that you've survived that you can look back and oh, see yeah. where. So I want to go back in one of those moments where you had that misdirection and you were like, yo. So before you drop that, let me slide into this quick break. Gotcha. To come back, I want to pick up right from that moment. 
Escure Podcast, my boy Omar Thompson, dissecting his life. You're in for a journey and a treat. Stay tuned. One. Think about some of these things that in my life that I didn't think about in a long time. It's like, it's, it's really weird. It's like, oh, so shit. So you're not the first person. It's really weird, Or bro. the second, or the third, or the fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, eight. Everybody that sat in that chair, I said, dude, I've never been asked these questions. Yeah. That's and it jogs this. Yeah, it's, it's, it, feels, it, feels, it's a, it feels like surreal, like, wow. I think like, the word you're looking for is therapeutic. It is, you know, like, you know, sometimes you just like, and you know, as, as an adult, you're living your life day to day, to day paying your mortgage, you're paying your rent, you're doing what you got to do, and you kind of like, your old life, teenagers of years, and all that stuff is like, that's done. You, But it, but it impacts you now. Yeah, it's who you are, you know, and it's weird to even think about this stuff, you know, it's just so many things I didn't think about in like decades. Thank you. That's what we yeah. do here. Yeah, that's cool. Remember, Barbara Walters of the streets. Q. Yo, <laughs> 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 gotta rock it with this. Yo. You gonna spin? You gonna start spinning some shit? Yo. Let's go in right now. That's not my kid. I do appreciate this classic Harlem joint. Of course. As we get rid of the crap back in on this podcast with your boy, it's your podcast. You know, it's it's so funny that you know we have to play this Harlem, you know, you know, classic record. Yeah. As we get ready to go into the journey of my guest Omar Thompson, navigating through the gang life in Harlem. Yeah. Getting your footing, joining the Bloods. Hell no, it's a crib. Okay, all right, <laughs> bong. It's your podcast. That's how we fire one across the bow. Hell no. no, no, for real. But that gave you that family. Why? Why did you join that? It's, uh, I guess, the time, uh, sign of the times. You know, it was everybody like, else was doing it. It wasn't like that, but kind of was like that. You know, you had to kind of choose a side. You know. I never, I kind of avoided all other pitfalls, and you know, I never sold drugs, never did any of that stuff. My mom's on drugs, so I didn't want to sell drugs. I grew up in the um, NA rooms, you know, with my, my, my mom's, you know, going there every day, different meetings and shit. She told me, hey, I'm Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl, I got a problem. I was there all the meetings every, every day, you know what I mean? So I didn't want to sell drugs. I heard all the drug stories about all the... So you would go to those meetings with your mom? With my mom. So I never sold drugs, and I played basketball, so... And I was pretty good. So most of the real, like, drug deals and thugs in my neighborhood, like, Omar, yo, don't sell drugs, bro. You got a gift. You're nice and bald. Don't do this. So that kind of kept me out of the drug game as well. They wouldn't. Mm. And then I can fight, so I wasn't really being tested too much in the hood. And um, I joined the Crips, man. And I could have, a few times, man, I could have changed my life for, for the worse, you know. But once again, God watched over me. I uh, had some things with some gun situations. Um, there's some situations where I could have like not been here, you know? So when we took the first break, or, or, or second break actually, into the third segment, I asked you about an iconic moment during that time, if you could remember, that really was like, yo, I got to get out of this. Was there any specific experience that you were like? It wasn't one that made me want to get out. It was one that kind of like made me realize that I wasn't invincible, <laughs> that I can die too. Um, my senior year in college, I was um, the summertime, the summer before I was going to college. And um, Fresh out of high school, about to go to college. It's my last summer in the hood before I leave in like in a month or so to go to college. 
And these guys, like I said before, it was out, Harlem was mainly blood, and I was one of the very few Crips in the whole Harlem. So um, these guys in my neighborhood, like the the OG drug dealers, and they was kind of tough and everything like that. They was really cool, and they was kind of becoming Crips too. They was like like on a path of coming, like joining up with me and my other guy. And um, I remember one night, you know, I just heard these gunshots, pow, 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 and then I and I heard a lot of screaming. I came outside and I seen uh, one of my good friends, Tone. He was uh, like coughing up blood. I was like, you know, and he, and he wound up dying. And the other guy I know got shot too. Right? Like all the guys that was going to become what with me, they wound up getting shot. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to kind of try to hide out the rest of this summer. <laughs> so, so I just kind of hid out, right, like in the house. I wasn't like really wasn't doing too much. I didn't want to be out and about. I just wanted to kind of like survive that summer. I didn't want to be that 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 sad story. Like he was just about to go to college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be that guy. You know, what I mean? like yeah. he was so he had potential. So I said, "Fuck that! I'm gonna be call me what you wanna call me. I'm gonna stay in the house. I'm gonna chill out with my little brother at the time he was born. I'm gonna just kind of like hang out, and I just kinda, I, I try to avoid all conflicts till I left. And when I left college, I was I left for college. I was so happy, like, yo, I'm out of this hood. Where did you go to college? Uh, a school called Post University in Waterbury, Connecticut. And um, and I went there. You know, I went there taking the whole gang mentality with me. I'm like, yo, now I can really be a gangster now, cause <laughs> I mean." <laughs> Because I was in Harlem, you couldn't do but so much because it was like mainly blood. But I was like, hey, now I'm, now I'm in Connecticut. Connecticut, <laughs> shit, I'm going to be the, the, biggest. Most, the biggest Snoop Dogg clip you ever seen. <laughs> I remember going about every color bandana I can buy, and I had it in my suitcase and shit. I had to walk around Kansas with my bandanas on, quit walking to class and shit. I was lost. And, um, but I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know that people from New York also came to that school as well. <laughs> So we had niggas from Brooklyn in that school and Queens. So everybody was this this Bloods and Crips did too in school. Like what the fuck? <laughs> Couldn't escape these motherfuckers. So, um, but college changed my life. You know, getting to college and just kind of like not being in that environment no more. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I pull up another handbrake and stick a pin? Cool. Considering how distracted you were in high school with the the the, the gang and the whole lifestyle. How did you pull off getting into college? Basketball. Without basketball, I wouldn't. Have, I mean, you know, you had to keep. You had to keep a, a certain GPA. Yeah. You had to. If you want to play ball, you got to play. You got to keep the grades up. So I, I did just enough. But I was a really smart kid. I've mean, always like been great in math, and I was just like I was just doing a lot, you know. Mm. And um, mm. but I was always focused. I didn't want to. I wanted to leave. I was. I didn't want to be in the hood. So I said, me go to college, man. And I remember, like, my mom was so busy because she worked two and three jobs, and she was going to uh, school at the time. So, like, my education was up to me. It was no, like, no, it was no, like, hey, man, go to school. Or it was, like, either I'm going to go to school or I can stay home. It was no, like, get up in the morning and I'm going to work. No. Every day was, like, it was my option. So it was you that initiated and it support. Was, it was my option every day. It was. Escure a podcast called yeah. Rosenberg. I want to salute you, my dude, because there's a lot of people right now a lot of kids, a lot of boys with the same option. Yeah. And they're going this way. It's, man, like my mom worked in the daytime. She worked not like nine to five. She's up by like seven o'clock and out by like 7.15, 7.30. She was out early. So she left before I left every day. 
So that was my actual option. Like, and I can just stay, stay home. And right out of town, too, they had Jerry Springer. Remember Jerry Springer? Was <laughs> Remember the good one? Not, not the bullshit on now, the, the good one. They had the real fights and shit. <laughs> that, that, was, that, was my, that was my thing. That was my, like, my kryptonite was Jerry Springer. Like, I would want to watch it every time because it came on like, around like 9, yeah, 30, yeah. 10 o'clock. So I would be late every day because I would watch Jerry Springer. But I would eventually make it to school. And when I get there, I would just kind of like go overtime in all my classes to catch up for what I missed. Mm. So, and I, and I, you know, and I want to, and luckily I was really good in basketball again. So some of my teachers, they did kind of like give me a little, like, hey, man, go ahead. You're a good dude. Go ahead. Get out of <laughs> here, man. Don't, don't fail this class. Wow. Yeah. So getting to Connecticut, going to college. Yeah. When did a comedy thing, because nothing in your lifestyle. was comedy. I mean, I got rewind though. A few things happened to me before I went to college to kind of like at least kind of like pick my interests about comedy. Um, they had a community center, a community center in my block, right? And they had one year they had these students from the Black Student Union at NYU come to my neighborhood to talk to us, and that's the first time I really seen black college students in my life. You know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, it might sound, <laughs> it, bro, it's, it might sound weird. This is actually no, like, no, go in. They came from NYU. They came from Black Student Union, and they came to my community center just to talk to us about like life and college. I'm like, oh shit, this is cool. We got these guys are in college, and this is my. I'm not like some kind of like. I'm not like I'm ten years old. I'm like seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. This is like first time I'm seeing real college students. I'm like, oh shit, and they was talking to me, and they was like, hey man, uh, come down. This is this is a, a show you can check out one day. I said a show. I'll, I'll come out there. So me and my boy hopped on the train, went to NYU first time, and um, we saw a comedy show. Performed by the students of NYU. No, no, they they had um they had hired comedians to perform. Okay. And I was there and as a high schooler, and I just checked it out. I'm like, and I laughed. Like this is fucking amazing. These guys are funny, and I met this guy named Talent. It's like, oh my god, this is so great. And then I met this guy named Godfrey at the time. Godfrey is a. I know Godfrey. Yeah. I met Godfrey after in high school. He said, I said, hey, man, you go, you're amazing, man. Can I come see you perform again? He said, hey, man, give me a phone call. You can come to my show this weekend at the um, Comedy Cellar. The Comedy Cellar is like the number one comedy club in the world. It's, and it's not even a big thing. It's right in the basement of a, of a restaurant in the, um, in, the, in the village. And I called him up, and he picked the phone up. He said, hey, man, come on down. And... Um, I remember I got dressed up. I brought a bandana. <laughs> I brought a, it just made sense at the time. I remember this bandana in particular because they had it's a bandana. They had like rhinestones on it. I'm not sure why they make bandana. They had a bandana with rhinestones. I'm not sure why. I thought that was like cute. So I went down to the comedy cellar and man, he let me in. I watched him perform and he talked to me about comedy. I'm like, wow, this is cool. And um. And that kind of like had me open a little bit. Mm. And when I got to college, you know, uh, my school was a small school. Uh, I didn't want to go to any bigger school because I know big schools, I, I would have like kind of folded. Yeah. I was doing too much. I, I needed a small school that can, I mean, maybe about 10 people in the class. Cause I know I needed that. I know, I know what I needed. And, and my mom, she wasn't able to help me out with that stuff. She was like doing her own thing. So I had to really go in the, I had to find my own college. I mean, um, I didn't get a scholarship, right? I had scholarships at other colleges, but it wasn't working out for me. So I just kind of went to this big college book and just kind of went through every, every school. And I went to, and I said, I know I need a small school. And I found this school. I found it myself. And I wrote to them and they wrote back and I went there and um, 
when I got there, you know, it was um, it was a it was a great place for me. <clears throat> it was it was it was for me. Like I, I picked that school and it was for me. Can I salute the diligence? Toast. Let's do this beautiful. Oh. Mm. SQR podcast called Rosenberg. Thank you for being so detailed on that experience. I want to take a quick break. I want to come back. And I want to pick up from the comedy, comedic journey on forward and how you're doing what you're doing right now. SQR podcast called Rosenberg Radio. My boy Omar Thompson slicing through his life and getting everything that has added to the gumbo that he is right now. Stay tuned. One. Yeah, this is how I like it. SQL podcast, Core Rosenberg coming in on this, you know, I, I, I hate to say the last segment, you know, because it's never a last segment, you know, as we record on this EPND classic record. But um, it's, it's, it's always just really getting into the microcosm of my guests here. What's going on, my dude? I'm good, man. I'm here enjoying this Heineken right now. The Zero Zero, by the way. It's really good. I'm enjoying really it. Can we toast to that? Cho- yeah, this is really good. I'm mm. enjoying this thoroughly. We, we left off where we were getting into college. And you were... Now, still repping the, the, the gang affiliation, you know, because that's the only thing you knew. And I asked you about where did the comedy come into play? And you spoke about going to the show, seeing what was going on and being inspired. Let's pick up from there. Um, so now I'm in college. Um, two major things happened to me in college that kind of got me going. A few things, actually. The first thing was I joined this club. It was called um, The Session. My good friend was a poet by the name of um, Ali Maju Williams. He's like the super deep brother. Like, you know, that, you know that guy? Brothers, we got a, the man and there's a war going on. So he had this, um, this poetry. That was, a, that was a very powerful name, by the way. Yeah, exactly. That's his whole name, Ali Maju Williams. I'm like, bro. Calm down, bro. He's doing a lot with that name, but that was his, that was his name. That was his, his full name. And um, <laughs> he has something called a, the session, and uh, he's a poet. So I decided to write poetry. So I started out. I wasn't a comic. I was a poet, but I'm I'm not like really deep with words. <laughs> so so I wasn't just not my thing. You know, I'm not like this very guy, not this wordy guy. So. Um, Do you I remember wrote, the first poem you wrote? I remember the first poem I wrote. I remember the, it was hilarious. What was it called? It was called Motherfucker. <laughs> that was my first poem. I, I swear, that was my first poem. <laughs> and um, do you can, can can you recite? I that can record? recite some, but it was an easy poem. It wasn't no real. I, I can only imagine with a title like Motherfucker. I mean, so I go in. When I did Motherfucker, I like I I always ask for like crowd uh, help. So I say when I put my hand, I just say motherfucker. So I would just put my hand out like motherfucker. The whole crowd go motherfucker. Okay, right, and I, right. And I'll go like, I'll say motherfucker, motherfucker, motherfucker. Like this, and I say I'm tired of motherfuckers. I'm tired of going somewhere and I can't get the money I need to do what I. Have. I was just like venting at that point. Yeah. I was just like saying things that was going on in my life, and I'll just say, they say motherfucker. I'm tired of motherfuckers that. 
don't know how to talk to me the right way, motherfucker. And it was just that kind of stuff. And it was, and people started to love that poem. So that was my first poem I did, and kind of gave me the first taste of like being on stage and performing something. And it was actually funny. I had a lot of funny things in that thing, and people like they would laugh at it. And uh, a lot of the the staff at school were like, oh, they started requesting that poem. Are and, you uh, serious? Yeah, they would they would request that poem. Um, uh, I, I did a summer program where I, I wanted to be a teacher at one point, so uh, I did a summer program where I was. It was called um, Leap, and uh, we taught kids in the inner cities, uh, just kind of helping them out with their reading and their math and that kind of stuff. And we had these counselor sessions. We would go to like all the counselors from around the Connecticut would come to this to um, New Haven University. We had these like big group trainings and leadership trainings and I would I was like the comedy person I'm not sure how it happened I yeah didn't... I mean you, you you transition because here's what's so fascinating and I love you to finish because here's a guy who experienced some really tough stuff growing up mm-hmm. which means you've been toughened and hardened yeah in Jamaica it was a season mm-hmm. you know what I mean and then you come into the life and you are now doing poetry but still a strong gangster poetry. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, so I can understand that. But then the transition to so, so It's kind of weird, you know, like I was always super funny, like always. I mean, even in, on a basketball court, I was always funny. I've always been, being funny was like my um, defense mechanism. Escure podcast, score Rosenberg, another jewel being dropped. Say that again, my dude. That was my defense mechanism, being funny. So like anytime I was uncomfortable or I was like, I felt some kind of way, I'll be funny. If I was nervous, I'll be funny. Which is creative. I gotta be, you know, thinking on your feet. I was always, so I, I, I became, like being in Connecticut, I was so out of my environment that it just made me become even funnier. So I was on, on campus, I was just known, for this, I was known being, uh, being this funny guy. Like this guy is super funny all the time. And- um, Let me ask you this. Yeah. Did you think, no, let's look back retrospectively. Did, was it effortless? It was. I wasn't trying. It was just like, it just, it's like my shell. Like I didn't, when people was laughing, they couldn't hear me and I loved it. You know what I mean? They were just so busy laughing. They didn't really know who I was. I, just, I can just laugh and I'll just keep them laughing. And I guess I was so good at it that everybody knew. It, once again, it's a small college, so everyone knew oh, that's the guy who's really, really funny. He's really outgoing, and he's that guy. He's charismatic. And um, I remember one time the the dean of student activities, she said, Omar, we had a meeting one day. She said, Omar, I know you're funny and everything, but um, you're hiding something behind that. that You're funny, but I know it's something deeper than that. You're more than just a funny guy. You remember her name? Mary Ellis. Ozo, Ozo Winkowski, something like that. Yo, can we toast to Mary, her? Mary Ellis. Can we toast to Mary her? Mary Ellis. Kicking that. She was like, you know, I know you're funny, but you're something. You're more than that. You're hiding something. You know, you you got you're going through some things. And um, I was I got kept getting funnier and funnier, and um, you know, and, and I think uh, you know, I did the, the whole leap thing, and I I got I began doing the morning meetings. So every day I would, I would kind of get in front of like 300 people, 300 counselors, and just do stand-up. But I didn't know what stand-up was. I would just go up there and just talk about funny things that were, was going on the day before. And they loved me, and I became that guy, once again, that funny person. 
And um, that kind of, that's, that's, that's where I was most of my college career. Were you able to put a finger on what she, initi- what she stated in terms of? Later on in, in life. I mean, I, 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 later on in life, I understood like, oh, she was right. Um, being in college, in a small college, in a, in a small city, and I was an RA too, so I had, I had my own room, so I was pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, but you hit that time to kind of think I mean, it's not it's not like it's not like being in jail, but it's not like jail because you be free. <laughs> but um, I was in I was in my room and I was and I'm by myself. I can think and kind of like it's quiet. I can, I can like yeah, they already had it made. Learn I can learn who I was and and kind of figure it out. But the number one thing that made me become a comedian, the number one thing in the world, I'm tell you who it was. And it's kind of funny, you know. Remember I said that. Um, when I was in high school, the NYU BSU came, Black Student Union came to, to yeah, my yeah, school. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In college, I wound up becoming a BSU president, which is kind of weird, right? I wound up becoming the president of BSU at my school. And I was doing it for uh, a few months, and I was like, you know what? I got to get blacker, yo. I'm not black enough. <laughs> no, you know, because you think about these black leaders, they just they always like all these information about all yeah, these different yeah, leaders. They're very, they're very, they're very yeah. like, like uh, knowledgeable. Remember, I had, remember I had Ali Maju Williams. He was, yeah, yeah, my got, dude, he <laughs> fucking guy knew everything about everybody. He fucking had books on everybody. Matter Angelo, he knew everybody. So I'm like, I gotta be blacker than this guy. I got, I'm not black enough, man. So that's I mean, just go. I gotta get a book that make me blacker. That's what I said to my. It made sense to me at the time. I gotta get the blackest book. And after I read this black book, I'm gonna be the blackest black guy you ever knew. <laughs> I'm gonna order like I'm gonna read this one book and, and have all the fun facts on all of black history. That's my mind goes. So I went to the uh, Yale bookstore, and I said, "Hey, I need a black book." <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I said, "I need to need the blackest book." He said, "Just just books everywhere, sir." So I, was, I saw I walked around and saw a book by the name of the book was called Nigger. I said, nigga, this guy be a good book about some black shit. <laughs> I swear, it's gonna be a black book. I'm gonna learn all kind of black shit in this book. It got yo, me. <laughs> the title of the book. This is this nigga, N I G G E R, nigga. I was like, yo, this guy be the blackest book ever. It has to be. Why would they have this book here if it's not gonna be a black book? So, so. I um I went and brought nigger right, and I'm like I'm so like excited, and believe it or not, I never read I, I wasn't really a big book reader in college or high never, but I, I bought the book nigger, and I'm in my room reading this book, and nigger is the autobiography of Dick Gregory. Okay. Dick Gregory is a activist comedian. I had no idea who Dick Gregory was. I know. I think nigga gonna be a book about some black, super black shit. Yeah. It was his autobiography. Of Dick Gregory. Gregory. Yes. Legendary what, comedian. What century was this written, was this written in? Hmm. What what year? He said, "What well, century?" Yeah. No Shakespeare, motherfuckers. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate. What year was this written? Because- uh, this is written in. I, I would say maybe like like in maybe seventies or. Late late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, it's, it's around that time. Maybe a little later than that. So wow, and because of this, 
that that uh, I read the book and I found out that Dick Gregory was an activist. And I read the story of how he was touring and and one of the first black comedians to be on television and 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 um, and I got opened my mind to start doing comedy. You know what's so funny about this? Because by mistake. I, huh? By mistake. No, because you you said you weren't a reader. I was not a reader. Never. No. No. I hated books. Math. I love math. Reading. Nah. I I hated talking. Like I I just started getting comfortable with my own voice. Believe it or not, it might sound weird within the past like about two years. My I've been doing comedy about thirteen, fourteen years now. I just started getting comfortable with just talking and not being funny. You know, like talking and not trying to be like this funny person and not hiding behind the comedy. You know what's so funny is, um, and I hate to interrupt you because um, somebody in, the, in our little peanut gallery said this to me that um, they were just really impressed at how vulnerable, fluent you were being. And as a comedian, they expected just jokes, 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 yeah. jokes. And this is one of the, this is one of their best podcasts they've seen with a comedian. Wow! Because you're just I'm not. You know what? Like I'm. I'm seasoned when it comes to being a comic. I'm, I'm, I done did Caroline's, sold it out, did Mad Square Garden. I, I'm funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have to like impress anybody here. No, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, comfortable yeah. with who I am. And also, too, I know I did a lot of soul searching, so I, I know that I don't got to go and be funny to like hide behind anything. I can just talk to you and not be funny, but still know I'm funny. You yeah, know, that's, yeah, the, true, that's, true. that's a supreme confidence. Like, I'm not trying to, like, go up here, no, that guy's funny. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I'll just talk to you, and then that's what it is. So yeah. I learned that within the past two years, man. That was some weird shit to talk to people or just talk in general and not be funny was a, was a weird thing to talk to people and they listen to you. They hear you, and, like, that was a weird thing. They're not laughing. That was hard. That's a hard, and that, that was hard as fuck for me to learn, and and once I learned that, it helped me with becoming a better comic. So now I can take my time to say something that means I can drop a jewel now, and 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 not try to just say some like funny funny shit, and you don't know what I said by the end of the show. Mm. But it's like mm. some guys are so funny, you see them perform, you laugh the whole show, and then when they finish, you're like, what happened? I just know he was funny. I don't remember what thing. He, yeah, <laughs> yeah true. He, he was funny as hell. I don't know what what, what happened. I just know I laughed the whole time. <laughs> and and nothing wrong with that either. Like like it's the guy was so funny. Oh my god. We talk about I don't remember, but I know this guy was fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. And I was that guy for most of my career. I was like, the guy was hilarious, and I probably had some signature jokes, but I wasn't saying shit. Mm. And now with maturity, I, I can say things. I can talk about like when we saw me perform recently at the um, in Harlem. Not even in Harlem. I, was, I did something recently at um in, in Bloomfield. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. And when I was in Bloomfield performing, I was just kind of talking about my life and. Well, I'm from, now I moved to moving from Harlem to Jersey, and yeah. the 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 difference of having an apartment, having a house, and I I was it's conversational. It was real. It was. And since I switched my style up to that kind of style, I see now that people that, that follow me, they know me more. They're not just that guy's funny. They just they kind of know my my daughter's name. They they know uh they they know I'm in Patterson. They they know like I'm married. I I'm telling them about myself. I'm an open book, Boom. And, and I want to. I want to be acquiring, not saying better fans, but fans who's more engaged not, in my career. Yeah. They more engaged. They they know me. Like though I know, I, I see your daughter. She's one. I watch her. I watch you with her. They know me more, and it's made my my career just 
better for me, you know. Yo, Omar, I want to I want to salute you, my dude. I want to toast to you right oh, now. Oh, thank you, bro. You know, for just running with that, sharing that that, that intro, and, and I mean not not an intro, but that, that 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 info about everything you've experienced to get you here. And I know I want to dig a little bit deeper. And my boys are giving me the signal, like, yo, we gotta cut. My boys, screw you right now. I'm going <laughs> deeper, son. Let's just dig into this. Your first stand up. Where? Because now, remember, you, you got the validation mm -hmm. through college, right? My, my first stand-up really came in college. What happened was um, I became, I was involved in college. I was involved in, uh, in activities. And they said, hey, Omar, you, if you want to you wanna stay, stay in college, you should be involved in, in student government and that kind of stuff. Because then you'll be, you'll, you have no choice but to be in school because you'll be involved so much. So I became um, involved in the programming board. The programming board, they hired entertainment for the school. Mm. So I became one of the people that was in, in, involved in that. So I became, I became the comedy chair. So I, I would help book the comedians for my show. So you're I mean, for booking school, comedians? Booking comedians in college. And um, I began to book them and open up for them. And um, I was so you're the MC that goes on and said, "Hey, coming up is yes. this one." That yeah, so, go ahead. And I would do this, and um, I was really good. I, I was I was I was I was okay, but I had all my friends. My, these are all my friends in college, so they like, "Yo, you the man!" Oh, <laughs> so I would go and open up for these comics sometimes, <laughs> and do so good that the comic they paid to be there would do bad. And and yeah, they, and um, I had with one guy in particular. I never guys never get this guy's name. Name was um. Eric O'Shea, and I was, I was like maybe a, a junior in college, and he would come and perform, and um, I opened up for him, and I just did so good that they booed Eric O'Shea the whole time. What? And this guy getting paid thousands of dollars to be at my show, they booed him, and Mary Ellis, she blamed me, like, Omar, you can't do this, this <laughs> I'm like, I didn't do that, I just did my show, I didn't, I didn't know they were gonna boo this guy. And she's like, Omar, you got this and that. And, and she kind of scolded me about that. And they brought him back again the next year. And, me, and, and this time I was a little more professional about it. And then uh, just learning how to, how it works, sort of contracts. So my money's getting paid like $1,500, two grand. I'm like, wow, that's good money to tell some jokes. And, you know, um, I started that way. And I, when I finished college, I came home back to the projects. I was back in the, back in the hood. And um, this now I'm back in the hood, and this kind now I'm different, quote unquote. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm college boy now, you know. Mm -hmm. In in the hood, that's like oh, it's weird. And also by that point too, I I stopped gangbanging. I kind of put down the the gangbanging stuff. So, I know what is stupid. You can't be a gangbanger in college. <laughs> stupid. I mean, I put the, I stopped that, you know. And I came back like, yo, I'm just gonna. I, I would try to do things now to like um, show my people in my community, like listen. I used to read a paper in the middle of my block just to read a paper so that people can see me reading. And, and, and this, I mean, I wasn't doing it really for that. I just wanted to read. I'm, and I've, been, I've never been a good reader or a reader in general. But, you said that, yeah. But I just was reading just to like show people that this is something different. No one ever reads papers in the hood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's like, like really old or some shit. Yeah. So I was like reading papers and shit. And, um, and I was just hanging out, you know, and I said, let me just try to do this comedy thing again. So I was trying to comedy in the city and I loved it. It was a, it was a, it was like a drug. 
when you hit the stage and get that response back from people, it's a drug. You can't. I was gonna ask you about that. Oh man, it's like you know people say it might this might be a crazy analogy. Like when you hit crack for the first time, <laughs> you're chasing that high. It was yeah. that same. You hit a drug for the first time, you hit heroin, chasing that high. You got. It's the same exact thing with comedy. You 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 get that first laugh and you can't stop. You can't stop, and I it's, it's I, was, I was addicted. I, I spend every moment like working on comedy, reading books, writing, writing, taking notes, and doing shows, and I, I went so hard trying to master my craft. I, I, I got I became homeless. I didn't know where to stay. My mom had moved out, and I was just wasn't paying rent. I had no job. You know, I couldn't get a job like most people who run out of time. That was around the recession when it first happened. Yeah, and then the, the job market was was horrible. I just couldn't get a job. I'm like. Keep on doing this comedy thing, and I wound up becoming homeless. I was kind of evicted, was homeless, and everything. <clears throat> yeah, so I was homeless, and it's the funny. It's also weird, man. Everything kind of go full circle, where because I remember when um when I was home when I was homeless and I was doing really bad, but with comedians, the the kind of the worst you are in life sometimes, or things are going bad for you, the funnier you the funnier you get. Uh, it's a weird, it's like a weird paradox, man. Like I'm, I'm getting funnier and funnier the more homeless I get. So, <laughs> so, so, so <laughs> the more shit I lose, the funnier I'm getting. So, but, uh, and you, and you're realizing this. It, it, I'm just, but I'm not realizing. I'm just, I'm just going for it. I'm just like going, and um, people are starting to book me now. Little fifty dollars shows here, hundred dollars shows here, and it's, it's funny. Um, when I was at my, like some of my lowest points. This guy named was comedian out of Patterson, New Jersey. Speak on it, man. Speak on this it. Is, this is like so weird. Name was Shorty. Shorty was a comedian out of Patterson, New Jersey. He had a show at a place called Jacksonville. Jacksonville's right here for Grand. Yep. So he had this show years ago. I think the owner name was Michael Jackson. So yeah, is he still is? Michael, still, yeah, Michael, Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been a guest on the show. Yeah, Michael. So I yeah, he was a counselor. So, yeah. When I was um yeah Michael Jackson Michael, the owner of Jackson he's a football player yeah yep so when I was um when I was going through some hard times Shorty will always book me for this show in Patterson at Jacksonville and I will always come to Patterson from Harlem hop on a train I will get here and I do and that show fed me a lot of times and who would think I mean years later I will come back and live in this place. And like a lot of things I'm saying now, like damn, I came back full circle. That, that really happened. So, um, like I was saying, I was grinding and working hard. And can I can I can I slow you down and ask you? Um, because everything you've shared with us, and you know, this segment is going way longer than it's supposed to be. <laughs> but I can't stop it, my dude. You know, because I'm getting jewels right now. I'm getting history, and I see that I'm sparking memories and synopses are connecting to bring back certain things. Do you remember? The first stand-up you did where you flopped? I remember two of them. Uh, three of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do a quick three. So, uh, first one was my, my name in comedy in the, in the beginning was Omar Oh My God. That was my, my, my little entertainment name. Omar Oh My God. That, okay. was, that was my name. And I did this show in uh, this comedy club, and I was cocky. right? Like, yeah, I'm fucking the hottest guy right now. Hottest new comedian. And this guy, made, guy by the name of Capone was hosting the show. Capone, Capone? Yeah, Capone was hosting the okay. show. And I remember I, I was on stage and they 
and I bomb, right? As I'm bombing, this white guy's in the front, and he passed me a note. And I, <laughs> this is what you're on stage? I'm on stage. Open a note and said, You're not funny. <laughs> 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 this is this is this is the middle of the show. Like, what the fuck? I like it said. It said you're not funny. Like, oh, all right, that's my time, y'all. And I just kind of got on stage, and uh, Capone went after that, and started like, 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 like getting him. Like, oh, oh my god, oh my god, what? Oh my god, he ain't funny, and just like, <laughs> and just like killing me. And I, I cried in the pizza shop. You <laughs> and I and I changed my name. I said, "No, what? No more, oh my, oh my God! I'm just gonna be Omar from now on." <laughs> that was one time I did the Apollo Theater, and I, when I did that. Um, I was once again cocky. Like, I'm winning this shit. Come on, I'm gonna win. I'm Omar. So I go there and invite my friends and family out, and uh, they booed the fuck out of me <laughs> so much. They booed me so bad And I cried again I was a crying motherfucker I was always crying somewhere I cried then <laughs> Yeah man That was like the one This was my worst times Which Which You would think Would probably resonate And let you um Take the steam out of your balloon You know You be can't Comedy's one of the things Comedy's a Is an art form Where you gotta be Like super humble But yeah super cocky too You gotta be it's Probably just like a, like a Like a fighter too like like fighters, they gotta be like most fighters I know. They're really cool. They they're not like hey, they're not they're not bullies. Yeah, uh, like a real fighter that really fights. Yeah, he's probably the right. most coolest motherfucker you ever met. Yeah, he's probably soft spoken. It's not he's not doing the most, but he knows he can fuck you up at any time. Yeah, and that's how like a good comic is. He's not like yo, you know, no, he's just real cool. Like, if I, like which is the energy we've been getting off of you since you've been here. I was only you know that. Like also it's like 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 Chappelle. You see Chappelle, you know who Chappelle. He's like so cool. He's just like real, like casual guy. Yeah, very, he's not. Yeah, he's he's not trying around. to be the funniest guy in the room. He's like, I'm Chappelle. Come on, bro. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, but once it's on, it's well, on. on. Yeah, you know, you can't touch this guy on the microphone. So not, and that that comes from years of like of doing this shit. I I did this for a long time, and I do it. I did a lot of shows. So, I mean, I'm just no. Like, so you know, I I know I hit you with the with the losses. Can you share with me a show that you did? Where you got a response that you were like, "Wow, I didn't expect that." Where it was like Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden was the biggest show I did in my career, um, and I got that show um, by luck. A good friend of mine is a guy named Cipher Sounds. I know Cipher. Cipher. So um, he's my boy. We was doing shows together for a long time. We was, he put me on the show. I did all kind of shows with him, like the Folk Master Flex car show. I was yeah. doing all kind of shows. So this one year, he said, Omar, they did this thing every year in, in, um, in New York called the Hot 97's April Fool's Day comedy show at the Garden. Yes. It's yeah. the biggest show in the country. This is the show that you got to be on. You got to be the man to be on this show. This particular year, they had uh, like Tracy Morgan hosting the show and all these guys uh, from SNL. These all these big people was on the show. And on Hot 97, they had this contest. The winner of the contest can do one minute of comedy at at this um at the at the show. I never did the contest, but he called me. He's like, Omar, hey man, you want to do the garden? Like, hell yeah! <laughs> he said, Yeah, you only got one minute though. So I guess he never one did one sixty fucking seconds. Yeah, so hear me out. This, this God, your God is so amazing. So that's like one minute. Like I'm gonna fuck this eighteen seconds. Give me the garden, right? That's like a life changing thing. So I did. I went to the garden that day. Show was going good, 
And it's and um I'm like the guy who really shouldn't be there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what the fuck are you doing here, guy? I'm I'm that guy. And it's a guy about a comedian, I won't say his name, but his, his comedian before me who's like who's um around we in the same like time frame in comedy, but he's like manager, agent, he's I like, got a TV deal, he's like he's, big. He's not big, but he's up there, he's he's rising, right? And um he's going on stage before me. So he go on stage and he's got he's, he's funny. He gets booed his whole time on stage in Madison Square, Madison Square Garden. Garden. And when you get booed on them kind of shows, you can't just say, "Hey, good night, I quit." No, there's a time, there's a clock on the stage. So you gotta do your time contractually if you don't get paid. So you got like, you gotta do five minutes. You gotta do five minutes. And you just booing, you're getting it. You got you gotta do it. You have to. So there's a clock on, on in front of the stage. It's counting down. You can't leave before that time. So he's getting booed for like five, ten minutes, like just boo in the garden. Just like fucking thousands of people booing him. And by chance, who's next? Omar. Me. So so while they booing him, I'm backstage and the guy's like, hey, like, who's next? Who's next? They fucking booing. They booing who's next? And they look like this guy over here is next. Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is that? Fuck is that kid? Like he's, the kid's next, and, and, they, and the guy, stage manager, stage manager, said, "Hey man, you're next, man. You gotta bring it back, cause um, you see where the show's going. You gotta bring it back." And I say, "Hey, uh, I I'll bring it back for you, but I need more than one minute, man. I can't do this in one minute. I need at least five minutes. Like if, I, if I'm doing good, can you let me rock out?" He said, "Yeah, you can. As long as you bring it back, you can do well. As long as you want to do." So that was that was that was like kind of like the deal I had, and um, I get on stage, you know, and New York City is like a training ground for like artists, because I mean, like if you're a jazz player, what you're doing is you're always doing shows, you're always training. So I went to that show, I was ready. I trained for fucking years for in small bars and little rowdy spots in the hood, and I didn't train so much that I'm ready for this moment. I got on stage, and from the moment I got on stage, I was crushing. Boom, 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 and I caught the innovation. What? The innovation from a from a booing show. I, I, he got booed. I came on next. I came on next and stand innovation. Right. So I got. I was surprised. I got like I, they teach, they tell you that if you got um a big laugh, leave on a big laugh. So I was doing so good. I said I got a big laugh. I just left, and then and I did really good. And um Tracy Morgan said, "Damn man, he came back on stage." Yo, you're you're kind of good, kid. <laughs> he said, "Who are you?" Like Omar. He said, "Come back on stage." He bumped back on stage, and um, this was, I was like, "It's my moment." Yeah. yeah. So um, the DJ was DJ um, Bobby Trent. Yeah, yeah. That's my friend. Yeah, Bobby. And um, me and Bobby had discussed my, my closing joke that I usually do. I didn't do it that night because I was I was doing so good early. I didn't want to risk it all and mess up. So I didn't do that joke. At, but I was like, Omar, you get one time, bro. You get one time. So when I came back out, I said, hey, Tracy, got this little, do a little something, something else. He said, no problem, man. He backed up. I went back into, I went into another, the ending of my, 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 my routine. Yeah. And I hit my closing joke, which was a Chris Brown remake joke. I did the Chris Brown joke. And I said, like good night. The crowd went up again. So I had two stand ovations in one night. And that's the night the owner of Caroline's was there. He saw me for the first time. Said, "Hey, no kid, you got something. Mm. I'm gonna give you all night. I'm gonna give you. You can headline Caroline's. That's how I, 
That's how that happened. SQL Podcast called Rosenberg. Yeah. My boy Omar Thompson. And we have seen him at Caroline's. My wife and I have seen him at Caroline's. Yo, thank you for taking me on that walk, my dude. <laughs> yeah, I was Yo, cool. I was literally sal salivating as I'm hearing the story because not only were you detailed, but it, 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 I, I, I felt each emotion, literally. Wow. Toast, my dude. Yeah. Salute to that opportunity. Yeah, man. And for crushing it. The biggest show of my life. The biggest show of my life. And since since then, you know, things have been good. You know, I um, I was I was I'm kind of fast forward to this. I was homeless for a little while. Um, God always put people in my life that kind of was like angels to me. And uh, I had a, a manager, quote unquote. She's like, Hey, I manage you, kid. Yeah, you got you said you got. You got, you got someone with you. You're going to have a future. I, I manage you. She helped me out. She wound up um, through a friend of hers, got me a room. I lived in a room that they paid for. Her name was Blossom Blossom John. <clears throat> she she uh, she was my manager at the time. She didn't want nothing from me. I mean, she just wanted to be a part of my career. She said, you know what? I got you a room. And the room was given to a guy named Russell. It was his room. He had like a he had like a like a side room for yeah. his, his little side chicks. He gave me the room, and for a year they paid rent for me. It paid for my cell phone when I was homeless. They kind of kept me going. They like they they they, they like no lie. They are like literally my, invested in you. Literally, they they were like my angels. They they kind of like they saw I was going. Gave me a place to stay at. Gave me a phone. Said good luck, brothers. Just make it. And when you get money, just kind of give us back. Give us pay us as you can. And um, from there, I just kept on getting funnier and then learning how to become a man, learn how to become more responsible. But was, all this on your own? That's how to learn how to be more responsible. Um, I went and got a, got a job at a temp agency. I worked at, um, do all kind of temp work for a long time. Then I got a- Still being consistent with comedy. Still working, still, still grinding. You know what's so funny? And you know, as we skip through this journey, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to find out Everything has been self-experienced, self-thought, you know, being a man, sticking to those values. Yeah. And know you're a father. Yeah. What is that like? Oh, that's the best, you know, like most, I, was, I try to avoid having a kid. I mean, I want to be slowed down. And then, <laughs> also, then I want to find the, want to find the right woman. You just want to have a kid with anybody, you know? And I just, I wanted to have, um, you know, I wanted to always have that quote unquote, like, hey, I'm married with a, Fucking kid in the house, you know. You want? I think everybody want that 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 dream. Like yeah. I mean, this this life that we see. Like all right, and I, I was waiting for that. And I met my wife. She's I met actually knew her in seventh grade, and we kind of reconnected. What? Yeah, reconnected. What did she say when she met you? Oh, you're that funny guy from back in the day. Nah, she didn't. Even, she's like, oh, she's like, oh, you Omar? Okay, I think I remember you. I don't. She didn't remember me. <laughs> and then we said, <laughs> she didn't remember me. Um, did and, you remember her though? I did. I did. She's and she was a nerd in, in um, school, but she looked. She blossomed, and then she looks gorgeous. And we um, got together. She's a teacher, first grade teacher. And I'm from a good family, and we was like, you know, it's coming together. She moved into my apartment, and we just kind of like started to build. And the whole time we together, we's, um, I'm like also like learning how to become a man. I mean, you know, just not just be com be comic, but you got to grow as a person too. So always trying to be like self awareness and and, and grow. Mm -hmm. Always trying to grow. Here's what's so funny. I, I'm I'm curious on what your reference point was. What you mean? 
the, the like who that like look. yeah who are you who, what are you using as a, a <sighs> reference point to be the man i didn't have anything to look at I'll, exactly I, I, yeah i didn't have anything to look at i'll just like i, I would just do what i do what i thought was right and do what i thought was the move i didn't know I, capone wound up later on kind of like helping me out with like at least like a goal i can look at look at Capone became my mentor in my career, and uh, he would kind of show me the ropes and show me certain things. And I remember one time he showed me his house in Jersey, and that was the first time I seen a black man own a house. And I was, it was my, this is like, I'm in my twenties, bro. I'm seeing, like, oh, do you own this place right here, bro? Wow! And you had to, I had to see it to be able to achieve it. And so Capone helped me, and he taught me the business of comedy, how how to how to make things happen. How he kind of he got he kind of gave me the blueprint mm-hmm. for where I am today. And once I seen him with with the house, I said, No, I can I can achieve it, man. I know Capone. I can, he had a house. I can get a house too. And um, I'm I married my like last year. We got married two years ago. We got married. Oh, congratulations, my dude. Oh, thank you. I'm married for a little over a year, and um, you know, we got married and. He bought a house in Patterson, and when I and I was, and I came here, I was excited, man. Like Patterson, fuck, this is, this is not. I, I didn't know the bad things about Patterson. When you talking about the bad things, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about you know like when when I tell people like I live in Patterson, like whoa, bro, you fucked up. Like they always say like yo Patterson, yo, we fucking stupid. You crazy, you just, bro? You, yo, I'm telling you, the the reactions I get when I say I live in Paris, and they're like, "Yo, oh, you wilding, my dude. You're wilding." <laughs> no one ever says, "Yo, good job." No one says that. I didn't know that was gonna be a reaction when I moved here. If I tell everybody, you know, niggas don't fuck with Paris. Everywhere I go, like, "Yo, you okay?" Like, I'm good. I think like this, and and but know what? When I moved to Patterson. Like fresh eyes. Fresh, it's fresh eyes for me. I mean, people that been here, they see Paris in one way. I don't see it that way. And luckily, I, and where I live at in Paris, I live in a, a really nice part of Paris, and it's really quiet. So I don't see what people see on a daily basis. I know what's down. I know what's around here, yeah. but I don't. I don't see that. My my life in Paris is like, for me, it's like a suburban life. Mm. I mean, I wake up. I have. I have one other house in my block. On my, on my side of the street is most of my neighbors are like older professional people, got pastors and like deans and students. They, I got change your life, my dude. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's weird. So I I I really love Patterson. I really appreciate you know, you it. You know, it's so funny, and and I, I I resisted from not interrupting you because I wanted to dart in a couple of times. But when I look back on just sitting here hearing your story, how you completely did a one eighty from how you were raised. To what you're living in right now i salute you thank you bro no for real thank you so much for being vulnerable and as i get ready to close you know i know we darted around and what this means is you're gonna be a guest back on the show <laughs> it means i gotta have you back but as i get ready to close i want to ask you this i give you the magic wand mm-hmm. right you can make two wishes in this world anything you want boom i gave you the magic wand Two things you want to impact in this world. Go in. I like that breather. <laughs> no. That means you're not going to give me some cliche, hallmark yeah. card answer. You're going to really think about it. Your first wish. My first wish is, um, it's kind of, I don't really know how to even put that in words, you know. Just want to 
like give guidance to people with no guidance like just not like not give it to them just like kind of like <sighs> i wish that when i was younger i seen like i'm i'm i've been blessed my whole life i've been blessed and even when i was not wasn't blessed like, i was still blessed mm, power jewel it's your podcast <laughs> um things i've seen that in my life I was able to kind of pick these things out and and yet let them be my inspiration. So, and I, I guess some people that's in bad situations or places that they is not in good places can learn how to pick up the good from the, the from 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 all the muck. I mean, kind of like like kind of dust off all so the, the, the the mud and see. Oh, now that's what I can focus on, and and use that for inspiration. Bomb. Powerful. The, yeah, that's our that the kind that vision. Your second wish. Second wish. Just uh, to go with my with my, my my with my daughter and I got a uh, my daughter's one my I got a I got a child on the way. My daughter's like my my wife is like like eleven weeks pregnant. Congratulations. Thank you. So my my oh. goal now, man, is just kind of like. You know, I, I'm a father, man. This is it's fucking amazing. You know what I mean, like someone loves you all the time. That's like really weird. <laughs> someone loves you all the time, like no matter what's going on. That's a weird thing. And um, I just want to, if I can just kind of like, if God can give me the, the ability to just be in their lives as long as possible, and just to continue to like provide and and see them and, and give them, be able to uh, give them a life that I didn't have. Wow, SQL Podcast, Gore Rosenberg, my boy Omar Thompson. You know, I salute you for number one. You had to cancel a show to be here. <laughs> it's okay, you know, bro. You know, and, and, and you were very, very, very on point. So I want to really salute you for sharing that intro. The show you have out right now that you produced that we saw in Harlem. <laughs> yeah. Coming to America. Coming to America slash coming to Harlem. Yeah, that was, oh, that, that was. Uh, Butterfuco, my dude. That it was, it was it's weird, man. We were in that show. I just had like a vision. I just had a vision, and I just and and sometimes when I get a vision. I just try to make my vision come, um, come to life, and it and I just try my best to follow what I what I've seen in my head. And, I, I need you to I need you to put put that show on again. I, I, no, I'm getting a lot of requests for that show. Yeah, but you I'm need on, to put that show on. I'm already on to my next show. I'm on to school days, and I'm gonna try to keep on like, like letting that energy come, man. Let them know where they can find you. Let them know where they can tag into you real quick. Um, Omar the comedian or anything. Omar the comedian on Instagram and all that stuff. Escura podcast. Go Rosenberg, my boy. Omar the comedian. Just closing out on another epic podcast. His entire journey, very intimate, and you know. This it was so nice. We're gonna have to do it twice. <laughs> I'm with it, man. I'm down the block. We can do it. Escura podcast. Cole <laughs> Rosenberg, my boy Omar Bong. Yeah, that was that was cool, man. That was cool. <laughs>